bonus So Money episode, Ask Farnoosh with special co-host Joy Stevens, a certified financial planner with Schwab. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. For all you Ask Farnoosh fans out here, I'm releasing an advanced bonus episode today. It's your lucky day. Welcome to the show, everybody. Our special co-host is Joy Stevens. She's a certified financial planner who manages Schwab's branches in Arlington, Virginia, and Annapolis, Maryland. Joy has been with Schwab for almost two years and has been in the financial services industry for 15 years. She received her bachelor's in finance from Lehigh University and her MBA from Duke University. Very excited to have her on the show. We tackle your money questions related to Roth IRAs, saving for college, and how to prepare for a possible correction in the market. I know a lot of you are a little concerned about this. As many of you know, I'm working with Charles Schwab to help spread financial literacy to the masses, and it's been a really great collaboration so far. I'm a Charles Schwab customer myself. I have been for many years. So before we get started, just want to thank Charles Schwab for helping us get this financial education content to you. And just FYI, to learn more about Schwab and how to work with them, go to schwab.com forward slash so money. That's schwab.com forward slash so money. But without further ado, here's Ask Farnoosh and Joy. Joy Stevens, welcome to So Money. Ask Farnoosh and Joy. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Farnoosh. Uh, this, as we know, is in partnership with uh, with Schwab, where you are a certified financial planner. And at Schwab, you manage branches in Arlington, Virginia, and Annapolis, Maryland. And so tell yeah. us a little bit about how you got into financial services, Joy. Sure. So, you know, Farnoosh, I'm probably one of those rare people that sort of went to college with an idea of my major and actually stuck with it. Um, it's funny because, it, you know, it, it's not some grand, like, you know, revelation. It was just like, I liked math and this made sense. <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of went to college and, you know, decided to be a finance major and I kind of just stuck with it and really enjoyed it. And so, you know, one of the beautiful things that I've found about financial services or just majoring in finance and business it's just, it's just so many different things that you can do with it. Um, and sort of throughout my career and, you know, sort of, you know, going for an advanced degree, you know, I was able to really hone in on what it is that I really wanted to do and sort of taking my experiences um, in the institutional space and then moving it to sort of the retail individual space. You know, I kind of really felt like I wanted to um, take it up a notch and really um, go for the CFP um, designation. And so um, it's been a great ride and I've, you know, Know, really have enjoyed my experiences and, you know, now being here at Schwab and managing a team of um, advisors as well here has just been incredibly rewarding. I love that story that you just, it was, seems like it was so straightforward. Like you just knew what you were good at. You, you were drawn to the topic, but I think as women, and I myself was a finance major as well at Penn State, I was one of maybe a handful of women in the program. And I, I wonder what your experience was like as far as, you know, feeling like a minority within the, within the department. Absolutely. So um, I would like to say that um, my upbringing probably prepared me for that. I was the only girl. And so I was always around boys. 
And so, you know, it's funny because people talk about it all the time. And even still now um, in financial services is something that is very glaring, but I never felt it or never really, um, you know, felt, um, you know, like only often because I just, again, growing up around boys. And so you learn very early to assert yourself. Um, and yes. I even went to an all girls school. And so it really, it was about asserting yourself. And so you kind of just take those lessons and those experiences and you just kind of go for it. You know, now that you say it, that makes a thousand percent sense. I also <laughs> was the only girl in the neighborhood for all my yep. years growing up. And I loved it because I got to be the boss. Uh, they all it listened to tough. me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it just never occurred to me to not be outspoken and, and just speak my mind. And I, I think that's um, one of the benefits to being around a diverse, like having not just your own gender around, right? But having everybody around you to be able to, to pick up and learn from everybody, especially boys who happen to be, you know, generally speaking, a little bit more, uh, <laughs> a little more out there with their demands. Yes. Um, oh, absolutely. I gave them a run for their money. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, really looking forward to sharing the stage with you here. We have a lot of questions from listeners uh, surrounding retirement planning, 401ks, yeah. IRAs, as well as some of the uncertainty that we're hearing about in the marketplace and what we can be absolutely. doing about it. I know that for a while now, months on this podcast, at least, that this concept of maybe a, a, a recession has been coming up, and I'm curious to hear your take on it. Our first question is from an anonymous listener. Uh, she'd like to stay anonymous for this question. She says that she is going to be quitting her job of eight years because she's not happy. Um, and no, I'm not being dramatic, she says, but good for you. I think that's, I think that is what your financial security should be able to afford you, right? If you hate your job, Absolutely. you should leave it. Like that's why you save. She says, I'm married, so I have a little cushion until I find a new job. She has about $48,000 in her four. 401k. She and her husband have about $63,000 in consumer debt. So probably mm -hmm. credit cards and things like that. Mm -hmm. So wondering if she should take the 401k, take the money out and pay down the debt or roll it into a Roth IRA. They would like to buy a home in two years. So the Roth IRA in that case too would be a good safety net um, to withdraw from. So looking for advice, I mean, I'll, I'll let you take the stage here, but I would just start by saying I'm really hesitant when anyone ever says to me or asks me about withdrawing from a 401k. I know that there are provisions mm -hmm. for allowing that, but mm -hmm. it should really be in dire straits. And do we think her, yeah. do we think her straits are dire enough? So, so far, Noosh, this question is so common, right? Because, you know, when, you know, I think, the, the, you know, there are news reports all the time that talk about the increase in consumer debt and credit card debt, particularly that Americans are facing. And then when you look at this huge debt and then you look at, you know, probably one of the biggest accounts that you have, which probably for a lot of people is their 401k account, it looks so enticing to mm -hmm. just take that and just go and attack the debt. Um, but to your point, you know, there are things that people need to consider. So I always tell people to do your research, but particularly with the 401k, it's meant to be a nest egg, right? And so it's really supposed to be, you know, your protected and last resort if ever anything happened to you, which is what you were talking about with some of the provisions. Um, but one of the things that people need to keep in mind is that when you take your 401k, when you sort of attack or take money out of your 401k, you know, that's taxed at regular income. And right. then there's also a 10% penalty. And so sometimes people don't understand that when you take that money out, depending on what you're earning and tax bracket, you could actually
actually put yourself in a bit more of a, a dire circumstance and you find yourself owing more money in taxes um, by taking that out. So you could actually make your situation a little bit worse than sort of making it better. I agree. Um, so, but she has mm-hmm. the debt. So what's your advice there? Mm-hmm. Because for future homeowners, it's important to yeah. have as minimal debt as possible to be able to qualify. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there are a couple of things when you think about with paying off debt. First of all, it's really about being committed and disciplined, right? And so when you think about debt, there are kind of two different classes of it. You know, you think about your tax deductible debt or people call it the good debt, such as student loans or, um, you know, a mortgage versus your other high interest debt, which is usually your credit card debt. Um, and so there are a couple of strategies where you can think about doing that. One is, you know, figuring out um, which is your highest interest Um, credit card first, that's the one that you really want to attack. And so sometimes people think that they, hey, you know, I maybe have three and I'm spreading it across all three. But, you know, it's always important to understand sort of the terms under what you're you're paying, meaning the APR, the the percentage. Um, So really attacking that first and really paying that down and being disciplined about paying that down. Um, Another is to even see if you can have the opportunity to consolidate um, Mm -hmm. one or more balances with a lower um, rate credit card. And so, you know, people get them all the time in the mail, like, hey, consolidate or roll over. But, you know, again, it's important to understand the terms of it. Um, And then again, like I said, really commit to paying that to to the payoff schedule. So once you really attack the the higher rate card, then you can really focus on sort of the next highest rate of card and so on and so forth. Because to your point, it really is um, important, particularly when you're looking to to buy a home, that your credit score is really above um, above board. And it helps in terms of what your, you know, your mortgage payment would be and all those things like that. Um, But more than anything else, I say the rule of consumer debt general is never be late, right? So right. you always want to make sure that you are at least paying the minimum and that you are always on time just because it, what it does to your credit score as well as of substantial, you know, late fees that a credit card company could impose upon you. So, you know, to, to, to anonymous, you know, I understand it definitely looks attractive to sort of, you know, take that 401k money, but consider the implications to what yeah. it would actually do to you on the back end. So it's sounds like if there is a plan here for her, perhaps it's like number one, um, really understand the implications of withdrawing early from that 401k. You think you have $48,000, but after taxes and penalty, it's it could be 40% less or 50% less yep. depending on your tax bracket. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. then, you know, well, let's talk about the debt. That is definitely mm-hmm. something to attack, especially if you want to be a homeowner. So not that you have to get out of this debt tomorrow, but come up with a plan there as well. And your point to start with the highest rate card is brilliant. That's important. And just try to make sure that you're paying as much as you can on the other cards, more than the minimum, ideally, because then you know you, you avoid all that interest. And then as far as transitioning to a Roth IRA, let's say she decides, okay, the 401k withdrawal, I was wrong, or maybe this mm-hmm. isn't the plan, but I I still want to maximize this money and I'm going to roll it into a Roth IRA. Is that the best strategy? There's other, there's other things you could roll it into either. There's a traditional IRA. There's the next company's 401k. What are your thoughts on that? Sure. So, so she mentioned in her question, the Roth IRA. And so for me, she sort of brought up the traditional IRA versus the Roth IRA. And so, um, again, when you think about sort of which vehicle is the best, when people are um, making transitions to Roth IRAs, you have to pay the taxes on that money when you sort of make that conversion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever you're thinking about leaving a company anyway, you know, there are a few options. You could leave your money with your former, former employer in that 401k. 
um, you could roll it over to a traditional IRA. But if you roll it over to a traditional IRA, it remains tax deferred. And so you don't have to worry about sort of paying any taxes on that. But some people like that because that means you have more control over the investments or, you know, sometimes, you know, with the 401k at your former employer, the investment options may not be the greatest or it may be limited. So you do get more control. Um, but you know, you can continue to save for retirement with rolling it to the Roth, Roth IRA. But again, remembering that um, you will be paying taxes on that money mm-hmm. once you convert it. And so, again, that's another thing to consider, you know, when you're sort of making decisions that involve um, tax conversions or, or um, taxable income, essentially. Yeah. Well, retirement's one thing. And now our next question has to do with college savings, which I know for a lot of families, that can feel like just another, (laughs) one more thing, right? Like I'm trying to get my (laughs) retirement figured out and now I got to save for college. And I I would say for anyone out there who's deciding on either or, is it the IR, is it the, you know, retirement or the college savings? I'd say Mm -hmm. stick with retirement first because kids can always find other ways to you know, pool money together for college. But there's, as I say, there's no financial aid for retirement like there is for college. (laughs) Um, But this question is from um, one of our listeners who is in her late 30s with three young kids. Do you have kids, Joy? I don't have children, um, but we do have wonderful nieces and nephews. And so this is a conversation that we have with our family members as well as, you know, how do we pay for retirement, I mean, excuse me, pay for college or how do we fund college and things like that. And and to your point, you know, you know, you see the articles all the time that talk about the rising cost of colleges and what that'll look like in 15 years. And so it can definitely be um, intimidating and especially, you know, Potentially, you could be in your late 30s and still paying student loans like I am, you know, and so you're... And so it certainly is um, something that's on the top of minds of lots of parents. Right. And so in this case, she's not really sold yet on this 529 plan, which we have for each mm-hmm. of our children. I actually started one for my son before he was born. <laughs> little <laughs> hack, you. little, uh, you know, um, pro tip. You can do this before you have kids um, to get a head start. And so she's just looking for some, you know, some advice or maybe uh, an endorsement of sorts of the 529. I'm a fan, but I would just say that, you know, obviously do your research. There are a lot of websites out there that can compare the different 529s by state and that's how they're mm-hmm. administered. Is every state has its own Absolutely. 529. Ideally, if you live in a state where there is a tax benefit to contributing, like in New York, I know that our, our contributions are state tax deductible. So mm-hmm. that's a bonus for us. But And you can apply, you can open one in any state But of course, if you live in that state, if you're the resident, then you get to get some of the tax benefits if they're available. Um, But in general, when you are advising families, Joy, and the topic of 529s comes up, what are the pros and cons? Yeah. So so there are a couple of things to consider or different types of accounts, if you will, when thinking about how do you save for college or longer term expenses for a child. So, you know, we always tell people to consider a savings account as well as a 529, right? Um, and when you're saving for longer term, term goals, such as um, college, you know, some people we actually consider a custodial account for, and that's usually for general expenses or even a custodial custodial Roth IRA, right? To kickstart their retirement so they're not thinking the same things we are about, you know, 401ks and things like that later. But, you know, 
know, a few issues, though, to be aware of for the custodial accounts, right? So that, that account is taxable. Um, and so it could impact the eligibility for financial aid for college because it is sort of the child's assets. So that's one thing to consider. Um, and so when, you know, a, a child is looking for, you know, to go to college and let's say they're looking for a financial aid or grants, if you had it saved, you know, the full cost, you know, 20% of the assets that are in a custodial account are considered um, available for college. And so that's one of the things when you're thinking about a 529 versus a custodial account to take into account. And also when your child is no longer a minor, they'll have full control over that. So once they reach the age of a majority, they can sort of take control and do whatever it is that they want to do. And so um, if that's not something you want to do, then you might want to consider a trust. So a lot of different options, even within outside of the 529 that you can sort of consider um, for saving for college. But again, each has their implications. So again, what I always say is literally do your research, right? Um, talk to friends and family and see what they're doing and sort of what's worked out best for them, especially when they maybe have children who've gone to college and sort of what's worked out better. Um, and so for which I also men- mentioned sort of the custodial Roth IRA. And so it's interesting because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot more people do that for their children. And I think it's one of the best things that you can do for your kids. Um, you know, it's funny. I called my mom like, what happened to my custodial Roth yeah, IRA, mom? Right. You know, <laughs> um, but, but what that means is it's a great way to start the retirement savings for your children. Um, and so, you know, it can only be funded with earned income from the account holder. So your child won't be eligible to, to until they have a job. But again, you can start that for them and really put them on a path um, forward. And one of the things I always say about retirement savings is the earlier that you start, the the better because of the the importance of compounding. And so being able to sort of start your child down that path is also um, something that that be you know huge excuse me hugely beneficial um, for for their future as well. So quick question about custodial Roth IRA. It, can I as a parent, if my son's almost five, I can't open this up for him yet, or or can I? And then I can transition it over to him when he's of working age, like sixteen. So, yeah, you can, um, but your child won't be eligible until they have a job themselves. So ideally with a 1099 or W-2 form, but you can start to fund it for them mm-hmm. um, at, um, when they're younger, if you will. Okay. I like that a lot. And so what, what do you think is the benefit there versus the Roth? Is this, I'm sorry, versus the 529? Is it just that it has more flexibility in terms of how you can use the money? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so the thing about 529 is the 529 is meant for education expenses. Right. And so it really is, um, you know, um, narrowing the focus of what that, what those funds could be used for versus other custodial accounts. Like I said, that could be used for general expenses that could go towards college, but understanding what that could actually mean for the eligibility for financial aid down the road. But 529s generally are for educational expenses and certainly, you know, um, you know, again, just do a little bit of research to understand what that actually actually means, right? It's not like, hey, you know, my kid's in college and they would buy a car. Nope, that's not it, right? It really goes towards education expenses. Um, But, you know, again, when you're looking at those 529 plans, you know, you know, I always say the things to consider are, you know, the account minimums, um, the fees that are imposed um, and things of that nature, because, you know, every dollar that you pay towards fees and all those other different things is one less dollar that you get to pocket and where it belongs. So make sure that you're when you're comparing 529 plans that you're looking at yeah. those as well. Well, I'll tell you what, Joy, I'm kind of sold on this custodial Roth IRA. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be looking into this after we are done recording. Awesome. Sure. Yeah. I'll let everybody know how it goes. Um, <laughs>
Okay, we have a question here from Rose on Instagram, and she's yeah. a little concerned about the market. She's been hearing yeah. a lot about a possible recession in 2020, and so wants to know, you know, and as far as you know, how to prepare for the for that and what to do with her 401k if the market does crash and rumors do become a reality. I mean, I'm sure you're getting this question a lot these days. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, everybody's been waiting for the downturn in the market for probably a solid three years now, right? Everyone's thinking. Like, hey, this this market is just too good to be true, and everybody's sort of collectively holding their breath. Um, but this is a, a question that we get a lot, right? You know, towards the end of last year, there was so much volatility in the market, and you know, people just kind of got a little bit of jittery, thinking that it was going to be sort of the 08 crash again, if you will. Um, and so, so for which I always tell people, have a plan, right? And so, you know, it's funny because I drive to the same office just about every day, but I literally put put it, the address into my GPS every day. Uh, not because I don't know the way, but because sometimes there's a better way. Um, but sort of having a plan in place sort of gives you sort of peace of mind to say, like, regardless of what's happening around me, am I still on track um, to, to, to meet my objectives, right? It's really hard to sort of block out the noise, but it's important to make sure that you set your goal and you have a goal-based plan and that you are, um, you know, you have sort of the time horizon, depending on how far you are away from retirement um, and depending on sort of what your risk tolerance is, that your plan um, meets those different needs for you. Um, But the ups and downs in the market are really part of that investing process. You know, there are a lot of people who, um, you know, jumped ship when the market really crashed back in 08 and they regretted it. And those people didn't make up the money that they lost. You know, we, we tell people all the time, we want to avoid buying high and selling low, right? We want to do the opposite. But unfortunately, nobody could ever really time the market. And so anybody will tell you it's always important to put your plan in place and to really stay the course. Um, according to the Schwab uh, Center for Financial Research, the longest bear market um, since the late 1960s, I believe, was a little more than two years. And so mm-hmm. and that was followed by nearly a five-year bull run. So what that means is nothing is sort of going to be so detrimental, particularly if you stay the course and, and really um, adhere to your plan. Um, but it really starts with how much risk can you take? What's your time horizon? How is your portfolio diversified between stocks, bonds, and cash? And, you know, then you set your target allocation. And, you know, you definitely should rebalance or consider um, becoming more conservative as you get to closer to retirement. But if you're, you know, 10 years out from retirement, you certainly have the ability to sort of withstand any of the sort of undulations in the market. Thanks for that. I mean, yeah, I think that I know that's, that was a mouthful. <laughs> well, it's but it's you know it's it's correct. I mean, the fact is, if you just look at historically how the market's done, it, that's encouraging. I mean, if you isolate and only look at you know two thousand eight, two thousand nine, that's scary. And and I think that behaviorally, as humans, there's like science proven, right, that we tend to obsess over these. Um, more recent events that don't necessarily capture the totality of how the market moves and how the market can actually benefit you over the long run. So it's totally human nature to be concerned because in our heads, like that's 2008, 2009 was only 10 years ago, right? And and it was was a severe downturn. So that it's, we still feel that Um, we can, it's visceral. So I, um, I get it. Yeah. It's very, it's very personal. You know, actually retirement savings is one thing that I'm really passionate about because, um, you know, even thinking back to, you know, different areas of my career, times in my career, you know, meeting with people who either didn't save enough 
and they were just sort of in a position where they were left with few options because they didn't save enough or they didn't save earlier enough or they made bad decisions based on emotions. You know, there's so much research out there around behavioral finance, right? And so that's why I always say really having a plan helps you to sort of just kind of keep yourself honest to say like, hey, depending on what's happening in the market, but am I still on, on, on track to really meet my goals? And you know, uh, to be honest with you, I don't even check my retirement account quite often. Oh my God, I'm uh, so glad you said that because I, <laughs> I don't people, either. There are people who check, yeah, there are people who check every day. No. And so what that creates is sort of an unhealthy sort of obsession or yeah. looking at it and, and being reactive versus, you know, I know that I'm so far away from retirement that I've set my plan in place. And there really is no need for me to make any wide swings or huge movements um, within, you know, making short-term decisions because I do have the time and, and my, uh, you know, my plan that I have mm-hmm. is, um, you know, unique to me and my risk, you know, tolerance and my goals. So, you know, I would encourage people sometimes is just, just kind of take your hands off the wheel and just let your plan, um, mm-hmm. let your plan work for you. Yeah. I mean, certainly check in. I check in once a quarter, every, every mm-hmm. six months, just to be sure mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm not overspending on certain investments that I don't need to be in. I mean, but at this point, everything's so automated and beautiful. I don't need to really be in there, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of people don't realize, well, actually, some people don't even know who their 401k provider is that, you know, maybe they're, you know, um, being offered through their employer. I would tell you to sort of figure out who that is. A lot of those um, 401k providers will provide you with some sort of advice, whether it be websites to get resources or, um, even professional guidance. So that's a great place to start to, you know, see, you know, what benefits are available to you through your through your company or, you know, whoever you work for in your 401k plan. And that's a great place to just kind of do a litmus test to just say, hey, am, am I doing this right? Um, does this make sense for me? And am I still on pace? And then from there, you know, we have other things to worry about. Right? right? Life is hard <laughs> enough. And, and, and just yeah. to your point about your 401k uh, plan advisor or manager, uh, a, a listener asked me recently, how can I auto rebalance or how can I rebalance my portfolio if there is a big swing in one direction mm-hmm. or the other? And I was like, you should be able to do this automatically. And if you have a Absolutely. 401k, you can just auto set it. So uh, sometimes people just don't know. So to your point, yeah, yeah just <laughs> call that 800 number and, and you will be, yeah. <laughs> you will be s- delightfully surprised as to all the things you can get for free. Um, last Absolutely. question. Last yeah. question here is, is a it question. already the last it's, question? Yeah, we, <laughs> it is. Uh, but it's a good one. And I think that it's, 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 it's not a question I've gotten often, but I really think that this could apply to so many people. This concept of mm-hmm. like, um, you know, when we emerge from college, a lot of us have so much, right? Student loan debt, credit card debt, low salary. Yep. And so many of us live paycheck to paycheck. And then we do the hard work of trying to budget and all the things, still feeling like we're just treading water. And then one day we make a, we get a bonus or we get a windfall yep. or we get a mm-hmm. salary increase. And suddenly now we feel like we have options. And so this is yeah. where we um, start with this question from our listener who she says that she's in her late 20s. She has a small savings account. She's got college debt, a car loan, some credit card debt, and all of these things she's been paying the minimum on for several months. And now she's finally at a place where she's got that good salary, a good side hustle going to bring in some extra revenue. She can wipe out all of her credit card debt this year. Yeah. So she's just feeling like, okay, now I have some wiggle room to do something else with my money that's not just trying to make ends meet. So where should she start? Where, Where should she turn next? She says that she's finally feeling like she's making a turning 
point. She's making a, yeah. a turn, what she calls it, turning a corner with my debt, but unsure of what to do with that extra dough. I didn't hear anything here about retirement. I wonder if you think mm-hmm. that's where she should go next. You literally hit the nail right on the head. Well, well, first of all, you know, congratulations to her, right, for right. her um, experience or this and being able to. And she's thinking, you know, she's she's on the right path, right? She's like, oh, I'm just going to go and blow it. But thinking about how she can sort of own her financial future, which is fantastic. So, um, but no, you mentioned something which is really important, right? Which is first and foremost, are you leaving any money on the table? And so what we mean by that in financial services is, you know, if your employer is offering a 401k match, you know, are you at least doing that, right? Um, You know, I talked about the power of compounding early. I always say you should pay yourself first before you pay anyone else. So that's how you pay yourself. So that's first and foremost. And truthfully, you know, I had this, you know, same thing. You're just kind of like, what do I do? Where where do I, what do I pay off first? I don't know which way to look. Um, And so, you know, obviously the 401k is probably the first place that I would say that make sure that you're really taking advantage of that. Um, Next, and we talked about this a little bit earlier is focusing on that high interest debt that you have, that consumer debt, that credit card debt, um, that makes it a whole lot easier to save for your goals down the line. And, you know, for news, you actually said this a little bit earlier in the call, which is, you know, you didn't get the debt overnight. So it's be patient with yourself by paying it off because it's not going to go away overnight, right? But you can take sort of strides. Yeah. I always liken this to January 1st, when everybody decides they're going to go to the gym, they're going to eat right, they're going to lose 15 pounds by the end of January and all those different things. How about January 5th? I'm done with that resolution. I don't, I don't need, 30 days is a long time. Five days, maybe. Exactly. It's just like, I worked out once, why did I lose 10 pounds? Um, and, and I bring that up because I say to I bring that up because I want to highlight the importance of, you know, sometimes you can't go from doing nothing to doing everything. And so it's important to just sort of, you know, do small things to help you get to a better place to to, to develop better long-term habits. But first and foremost, really attacking that high interest debt is important. Next, with even sort of um, saving, you know, we always tell people to make sure you have an emergency fund, right? Three to six months of living expenses. And that sounds like a lot, but even for your, you know, for one of your listeners here, I remember when I, you know, finally got out of business school and, you know, making a little money and it was just like, well, I've been in, sort of, I've been employed for two years, right? What do I do? And, you know, you have student loan debt and all these other living expenses. And I actually started just like siphoning off $50 a pay period that I didn't even see. And it automatically just kind of went into a savings account. And, you know, that was kind of my way of like, of you know, not even being conscious about saving and then to get in the habit of it. And the next thing you know, I have this, you know, pot of money that I didn't even think about and sometimes forget is even sitting there to help build up an emergency fund. Um, and then lastly, I would just also think about sort of your tax advantage retirement funds, right? So, you know, you can contribute, I think it's 19000 um, into your 401k. So we talked about sort of making sure that you're not leaving money on the table. But again, just sort of taking advantage of the fact that you can sort of decrease your taxable income, again, paying yourself first, especially as you start to make more and more money. That's a great way to decrease your taxable income for the year. Um, actually, for the first time in the past couple of years, I started doing an HSA and understanding how important that was to be able to save for medical expenses Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to sort of do that on a, you know, a tax advantage way. So that's a huge thing to also consider if you haven't um, done it before. Yeah. I mean, the point is you got options now. And and I want to tell everybody who's listening, like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine 
this day, which she seems to have arrived at, where you're making yeah. more, you can finally like address more than just your debt and your bills. You can sort of start to look ahead. And, you know, I think that what this listener has done is she's done the good work of, you know, being responsible, even though you have debt, you know, she's been managing it. She's been mindful of it. And now that she has some more money to work with, she's like you said, you know, her head's in the right place. She's thinking about how can I put this money to work? And I love that. I love that. Don't you love my listeners? They're such good people. I call it, you're building your financial empire, right? (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, you just want to make sure that you have a really good foundation and then from there you can build up and, you know, do other things. But that's fantastic. Furnish, you have the best um, listeners and it sounds like people are really, um, really honed in on just doing what's best for themselves financially and I love it. Well, I also have the best guests and I want to thank you, Joy, so much for joining us. And thank you for having me. And to Great. Charles Schwab for making it possible. Um, just want to let listeners know to learn more about Schwab and how to work with them and Joy, visit schwab.com forward slash so money. Schwab offers a range of services for people looking to invest and plan for their future, whether you want to invest on your own with the help of do-it-yourself tools and educational resources, or you want to get some periodic guidance from a professional, or you want to work with someone in a branch, you can get it all at schwab.com forward slash so money. Joy, thanks again. And I wish you- Thank you so much. Yeah, I wish you a great. great year. Thank you so much. To learn more about Schwab and how to work with them, go to schwab.com forward slash so money. Schwab offers a range of services for people looking to invest and plan for their future, whether you want to invest on your own with the help of do-it-yourself tools and educational resources, get some periodic guidance from a professional, or work with someone in a branch. You can get it all at schwab.com forward slash so money. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Tomorrow, a regular episode of Ask Farnoosh. Stay tuned, and I hope your day is so money. Money.